On today's show, we have part two with myself and Ben Ladner talking about the Hawks' upcoming season, the East landscape, and more. All of that's on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1554 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday, and this is part two of two with myself and Ben Ladner. So if you missed part one, I encourage you to listen to that podcast first to have the whole free-flowing conversation in your ears and eyes. And today's show is also, by the way, brought to you by the folks at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash lots on NBA. Enter the promo code lots on NBA for a free water bottle with any purchase at Bird Dogs. You will not want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Also, encourage you, as always, make us your first listen each and every day on this podcast. And really, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, places like Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And yeah, part two of two with myself and Ben. Always a fun time talking to Ben. Part one should be in your feeds now. And uh, part two is coming to you now. I want to, it's not even a changing gears. It's kind of similar to this. But I want to talk about the guys who are not Trey, not DeJounte, not the centers. Like, they have this interesting group of wings and forwards. Um, you know, Bogey, we kind of know what, what Bogey is. Like, I, I think Bogey is underrated. Like, he's really good. Um, and he looks healthy. Knock on wood, if you're a Hawks fan, he looked great. And it, it looked great in the World Cup. P- put him to the side. It's it's everybody else. It's it's AJ Griffin. It's DeAndre Hunter. What I can't believe we're still doing this, but in year five, he, the player he's been so far and the player people think he's been so far nationally still does not line up. He's not been very good. It's just what it is. Um, but he still has physical tools. He's 6'8", and he's... He's got he's got physical size and he's not he's been he's not been terrible as the way I put it he's, he's not been very good but he's not been terrible and it's like he's still under contract all those things you have a full a full season of Sadiq Bay who I, I argue was like really really harmful defensively but also was awesome offensively like truly he's the bomber that they hadn't had and other than Bogey for a while and he really unlocked a lot of things offensively and then Jalen Johnson the ultimate. Uh, x-factor potential guy who i think hawks fans are too high on what he already is but people nationally are too low on what he could be that kind of thing um and i feel like for me this is pretty broad uh i think this year's results are going to be tied heavily to those four players i I think that provided you get what i would describe as like average or better production from trey Dejounte and the centers and maybe bogey stays healthy-ish like that's obviously pretty pretty broad, but um, I think this the swing on this team. This is not even a controversial. I don't think it's that controversial, but it's going to be those four guys who we don't know that much about in varying degrees. I think Sadiq Bay is the one we kind of know mo- most about. He kind of just is what he is. But does that how does that strike you as someone who again is not covering this team every day? But like, does that make sense as a concept? Because I feel like that's that's really the unknown on this roster is the threes and the fours and like what it all looks like. I agree with you. I, I was actually going to highlight Jalen Johnson as not only the most interesting or, or one of the most important players on the Hawks, but one of the most interesting players in the whole league to me this year. Oh yeah. Because I think like the way Quinn Snyder wants to play, or at least the way I think he wants to play based on how he played in Utah is like, I don't know that John Collins would have been a great fit with, he, with he, the way he, he wants would. to run offense. I, I know that he would not have been. And that's the thing. That's, and that's one of the reasons why John's not here. And that's, I, both can both can be true. John Collins is really good. And he doesn't he doesn't really fit with what Quinn would have wanted at that spot, especially with a non-shooting center. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he wants to space the floor, play small. That you know, the, like the Jay Crowder type for maybe uh, a yeah. that's maybe a deep cut for Utah fans from Jay Crowder. Uh, yeah, not so not Derek. So basically, uh, not what Quinn had originally with Derek Favors. What Quinn moved to with yes. Jay Crowder is kind exactly, of exactly yeah. Jay uh, Utah Jay Crowder. Um, yeah. That that's kind of the archetype I'm thinking here. Just kind of the the small ball four who can space the floor, have some defensive versatility. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be tried out in that role, even though historically he's been a three and hasn't really held up at the four all that well in his career. I think uh, Sadiq Bey is certainly a candidate to do. That's kind of been his role throughout his career. I think it's going to be his role now too. I I think just to spoil, I mean, I keep saying, and for new listeners, I I think Bey is going to start at the four. I I think I'm not, I'm not convinced of that because training camp hasn't happened yet. But if I had to guess right now in September, I think Bey will be the starting four. It'll be night. But this is why I think Jalen Johnson is so interesting is because if he, he could be kind of I don't think he's the offensive going to be the offensive player. Sadiq Bay is definitely not the shooter this year because, I mean, Bay can shoot off the off the move off the dribble like he, he's a pretty good shooter when he's shooting the ball. Well, I don't think Jalen Johnson is at that level, but if he can be like a 30 high 30s percent three point shooter, a guy who can kind of catch and hit shots on the move, maybe a little bit space the floor. Um, maybe like a poor man's Cam Johnson type of shooter, just just like a guy who, like, you're not necessarily running actions for him all the time, but he's he's big and he has a high release, and obviously he's not a, as good a shooter as Cam Johnson, but he also offers you just a lot more defensive upside. He's a guy who can rotate over from the weak side and and make plays at the rim. A guy who can get in passing lanes and use his length. He's got a lot of good physical tools. I honestly don't have a great feel for how good he is on the ball or like how versatile he is as a switch guy. Um, <laughs> that is, just, I'm laughing because that's one of the, that's one of the questions and one of the things that uh, just for kind of fill your background in here, since you're still, you still yeah. live, you still live here, Ben uh, Hawks fans have already decided that Jalen Johnson is a lockdown perimeter defender when there's not really mm-hmm. any evidence of that. And I'm not saying that he can't do it. It's that Quinn finally, in my opinion, and many others finally kind of asked him to do a little bit more of that. Like he was purely a big underneath. Purely played the four all the time, didn't defend on the perimeter. And we saw some really good flashes from him perimeter defensive wise, second half of last season. But like, has he ever navigated a screen effectively in his life? I don't, I have never seen it. I'm not saying that he can't do it, but you know what I mean? It's a very different, yeah. uh, something Glenn is an X's and O's guy talks about a lot more on this probably eloquently than I do, but like the gap between what he maybe could be defensively and what he's proven to be like as a perimeter defender is one of those things where I'm not entirely sure where that's going to land. Cause he's, you know, look, it's, it's a different thing. Like when he basically mm-hmm. has only been a big as a pro defensively and we all acknowledge his tools, the tools are incredibly appetizing defensively, but like navigating screens and like playing on the perimeter against guards, is just, it's just a different game than he's yeah. had to play so far. Yeah. So that, that'll be a big question mark for him. Um, but I think the overall defensive package could be pretty good and, and is yeah. really appealing. And at his size, if he can shoot the ball, like just that, that whole blend of skills kind of what he could be. And, and again, it's just, it's a huge, you called it an X factor earlier. It's like a, it's just a big question mark, but if he can kind of realize some of that potential that, that people are seeing, including us are seeing for him on both ends of the floor, I think that that actually kind of changes like the makeup of this Hawks team a little bit and, and gives them not only insurance, if Deandre Hunter just isn't that good anymore, but also like another guy you can throw in the wing rotation play him at the four, play him as a small ball five, especially if like Capella or Kongwu misses a week or two with an injury. Like he's your backup five. Now you, maybe you can get away with that. I don't know. This is all really theoretical with him, yeah. but the skills and the tools there are, are really interesting. And, and I think ones that if 
fully realized could really make a difference on this particular team. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is fantastic, bringing fit, comfort, and versatility to the table with their products. I feel great and comfortable in my own skin while wearing all my Bird Dogs gear, and they have all kinds of things that you might enjoy. Plus, their Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and, and leg. You get that swift look you're actually seeking when you are looking for the clothes that fit and feel great around you. They fit much better than regular shorts that have to be made of that stiff, restricting cotton that everybody hates. Bird Dogs also fixes that issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but also stretches, give you the slimmer fit without having to sacrifice any of your movement. They also utilize anti-sweat-wicking fabric, keep it cool and dry all day long. Bird Dogs are functional for any occasion, whether it's a date or playing golf, going out, working out, or just hanging out. In the end, the folks at Bird Dogs make awesome products, and you're going to want to check them all out in one place. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA when you get there at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That is birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONNBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You will not want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. I think they're probably going to need a step forward from a couple of these guys. That includes, and you know, obviously Griffin and Johnson are the natural ones because of their age. And, and you know, growth is not linear. Um, it's important to always keep that in mind. You don't just get a little bit better every year. That's not always how that works. But Johnson was effectively a rookie last year. I know he wasn't one, but he didn't play at all two years ago, really. Uh, Griffin played a lot last year for a rookie, but um, was out of rotation at the end of the season. Uh, you know, Bogey is not going to play 82 games. I'm pretty confident in that. And when Bogey's not around, they're going to desperately need Griffin. But, you know, having Bay shooting will help. And uh, I think there's also some interesting pairings. Like, I've kind of been thinking aloud about um, – you know, the center, the center power forward stuff, like I think Bay with Capella makes so much sense because you kind of need just spacing. I think Jalen and Akongwu make so much sense together. But even on the, at the forward spots, like I think Bay Bay and Hunter kind of make sense together in some respects because Bay's defense is pretty weak, pretty weak, but he's a bomber in a way that Hunter is not. You have decent size at most spots there. And I think when Hunter's not on the court at the three, I think maybe you, you try some AJ and Jalen, which they have not really played hardly at all together. But like, I think AJ's defensive weaknesses potentially at the three are covered a little bit by by Johnson at the four. So like, I'm not saying you have to do that, but if you look at the roster, they don't really have a three that you love in general. But even if you just say, okay, Hunter's still our three, which I think is probably going to be what the case is now. The backup three is probably AJ. Like, I think you might see Jalen defend threes but he's gonna still play the four i think most yeah. of the time um maybe you see some jalen and bay and i don't care who the three is but like one of them you know jalen jalen becomes the three on defense and bay's the three on offense kind of thing but like there's just so much uncertainty and i think that griffin while he played mostly the two last year um if people get the lineup data is gonna have to play some three they're just not anybody yeah. else i mean bogey's kind of a three two at this point it's interesting like bogey's I think a bogey is a two. I think that every positional grouping you would see would have bogey listed as a two. Defensively, he can't move anymore. He, he really has to defend bigger guys who are slower. Um, so it's like they don't—they just don't have perfect position. Nobody does in the modern NBA. I know you know that, but nobody, it's not a perfect like positional team, especially when you throw yeah. in like their two guards, really a point guard. It's, it's a very weird, other, other than Capella and Trey, everybody's kind of uh, an amalgamation. Yeah, but but at the same time, I think that can be viewed as a strength where they have all yeah. of these these wings who can fit in in different lineup combinations, and especially if they're going to divide Trey and Dejounte's Mur uh, Dejounte's minutes this year, um, and and kind of use Dejounte Murray as the backup point guard again. I think having all of those wings, especially when Murray's off the floor and Trey's kind of the solo pilot, 
of the offense. You want as much defensive versatility and size as you can get, so long as you know guys like AJ Griffin and Jalen Johnson can move their feet against quicker guys, which I you know I think they've shown signs that maybe they can. Yeah, um, and I think it's it's Johnson and and Griffin in particular, and I hate that I'm complimenting two Duke guys on this, but like to me, they are guys that can kind of break the, just at times, you know, break the Hawks out of that like stagnant station to station kind yeah. of thing we were talking about earlier. Like, I think they play with energy. They play with some verve. Um, they'll, they'll make a quick decision. They'll fake a dribble handoff. You know, they'll just kind of like do something every now and again where you're like, Whoa, okay. Didn't see that coming. And you don't get that. Didn't see that coming feeling from the Hawks it's, all that often. It's so true. And like, it's one of those things I, I'm not, I'm trying not to put too much pressure on them. Um, I don't, which doesn't matter to them. I'm saying even externally, like, yeah, there's a belief with Hawks. I'm sure you're not surprised. Hawks fans have already decided they're both going to be stars and that's just the way it's going to work. And that's sure. fine. They both have star ups. I think they have star ups. I really do. But I think the Hawks like desperately need at least one of them to be really good. Yeah. And that's not, that's unfortunate for two guys who were drafted in the mid to late first round. Like you don't want to have to bank on those guys, like being huge breakouts, but they kind of long-term, big picture upside they kind of need one of those guys to like mm -hmm. really pop and i'm not saying they're not gonna but need it need versus want are different there and i think they kind of they kind of need it not not necessarily this year this year but to your point some flashes of that because they, they just have diff they're more dynamic than what the Hawks yeah. have had previously which of those two guys do you see is more likely to reach that kind of feeling <laughs> it's so funny the way i've put it is this is kind of boring but I, I think that griffin is more likely to be there and johnson has higher upside yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Griffin is a, and I personally, just the way, I, what, what I value, I think that the more, and it's not certain, but I, the certainty projectability of Griffin at that position as a two, three is really valuable to me. And I'm pretty darn confident he's going to be good. Injuries aside, I'm pretty confident AJ Griffin's going to be a good player. Jalen, I think if it all, if it, if it all worked, the ceiling is immense there. Just the physical mm -hmm. tools of that, the way he can run uh, in transition, the way he can defend. I think potentially like, I think the, the five, five position defender thing is thrown around. He might be the, like a literally four position, maybe five position defender. If he, if it all worked, uh, the jokes are out there. Like uh, Hawks fans are talking about like Ben Simmons with a jumper is the one that gets thrown around with. I almost, I, Ben, the LeBron comparison has been made. I'm just going to uh. say that out loud. Uh, but no, all joking aside, I think that my, broad projection of those guys as aj is more projectable i trust it more but if both guys hit their 99 percentile outcome i think johnson would be better if that okay makes sense. yeah i think that's that's fair so we'll see I, and this year's interesting because you don't want to what those guys are going to be three years from now is probably not what they're going to be this year so like we're talking about mostly about this coming season and that's one of the things to bring it like those four guys those two young guys plus bay and hunter they just got to get production from those spots. And, you know, Collins has been a safe starting power forward for them for multiple seasons. He's been, even last year where he shot the ball terribly, he was a valuable defender and he gave them starter quality performance before. They haven't had a starting caliber, in my opinion. This is not me writing on Hunter. Production wise on the court, they haven't had a starting caliber three this entire run. They just yeah. haven't had one. So it's just interesting to see if they can get some combination of those four guys to give them more on the whole at the forward spots, because that's kind of, I think where it swings. They really do. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you, you look just up and down the roster, the most certainty is at the guard and center spots. You said earlier, yeah. the center 
centers like the position you worry about the least. You just you kind of know what. Yeah, you're I mean, there. you got you got Trey, who I trust. Uh, you know, even when Trey has a kind of a down season, he's still yeah. an all-star caliber player like he was last year. And the centers, as long as both of them are healthy, or at least one of them is healthy, I feel good about that spot. Mm-hmm. It's everything. I mean, and look, Dejounte's a good player, but there's more uncertainty there with his role and the new coach and all that stuff. And then the three and four is just one giant. One giant question mark, yeah. Ben. I should I should at least say the name of Wes Matthews, who they signed to a veteran minimum contract. Oh, yeah, I like Wes Matthews. Me too. I don't think he's going to play a lot, but I can also he's see... He's really old at this point. He is, and that's why he's a little bit from the minimum, and I get that. But he's a guy where if you get an injury, you can play Wes Matthews 20 minutes a game, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. Uh, even Garrison, Garrison Matthews, is a, Garrison Matthews is, a, is a two, but I think if you get an injury to bogey, you could play Garrison Matthews. He's an NBA, he's an NBA player. Uh, Kobe Bufkin... Is a rookie. I think he'll probably be bad as a rookie. Most guys are. I ask you how much you think he'll get in the mix. Well, it, it, I think it depends entirely on health. I mean, there's this whole discussion that we will not we will not do 30 minutes on about like Patty Mills is on this team, mm-hmm. and I, I assume if you get an injury to Trey Dejounte or foul trouble, you'll see Patty Mills first as the third point guard because uh, Buffkin they don't think is a point guard yet. Um, they tried him at summer league. It didn't really work out that way. Uh, but there's that. Uh, if you ask me who's better, who's a better player right now in an NBA game, Garrison Matthews or Kobe Bufkin, I'd probably say Garrison Matthews. Yeah. But also you're, you, you clearly have incentive to play your first round pick if right. it comes down to it. So uh, long answer short, I think not very much, but if I it could be wrong, if you get an injury or two, like it won't be, I think he'll play more than Jalen Johnson did two years ago and less than AJ Griffin did last year. That's a pretty okay. wide range, but like, yeah. just to kind of give Hawks fans a feeling about that, Jalen didn't really play at all, and I think they'll they'll probably target some ways to get Kobe on the court in back to backs. So if you, I think when Bogey rests, for instance, yeah. I I would personally rest Bogey pretty liberally during the course of the season. On nights when Bogey's not playing, I think you've got to give carve out twelve minutes for Kobe Buffett. It's just yeah. like get him on the court. Anyway, my uh. My co-host John Sauber would give me a lot of grief if I didn't Love mention John. Seth Lundy as a, uh, as a potential I, shooter who could come off the bat. Listen, go I'm just uh, go I'm, I'm the messenger here. I just no, want to pass I, along the message. I love, I love John, and I, ha- I had my friend uh, Bill DeFilippo, who's a, also a Penn State guy. We talked about Seth Lundy, and I will say, among rookies, second-round picks in particular, he would be on the higher end of guys who might not kill you in the NBA yeah. as, as yeah. rookies because he can shoot, he can defend it a little bit, he's old, all those things. Today's show is brought to you by DoorDash. If you're anything like me, you might like the convenience of having everything that you actually need sent directly to your door. With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings with convenience. You've already trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites in the past, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers for you. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll be finding the best in your neighborhood and also boosting your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered, or DoorDash will also make it right for you. Sit back and enjoy quality groceries, just like you pick them out yourself. If you want even more value, you can save all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders if you have a Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions also right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want them and get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value if you use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20 with no minimum subtotal and $0, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget that promo code. It is LOCKEDONNBA, 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Okay, Ben, before I let you get out of here, I have to ask you about the East. So I'm going to make you give a Hawks prediction at the end. 
Okay. But knowing you, you probably already have this. I want to know kind of your general tiers in the East this year. And caveats, it's September 22nd. We don't know about Harden. We don't know about if Lillard's going to be in Miami. We don't know about Siakam, all those things. But like we can only go only go on what we know about, Ben. Uh, you can be as broad as you want to on your East tiers, but I'm curious, like kind of where you put things. Ben, a lot of change, even Boston, who's kind of been stable, they changed, made a big change. Milwaukee's Milwaukee, but you know, anyway, I, I said all that. Where are you kind of thinking of sort of the tier breaks are right now, broadly speaking? Yeah, this is a tough because I'm lower on Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia than, or at least, <laughs> well, like <laughs> I would expect all of them to take steps back this year like i, I don't know is if that I'm lower regular season not. wise or overall because regular season i think i, I yeah. boston maybe has given themselves a little bit more ups i honestly don't know what to make of the smart for porzingis swap like i'm just gonna have to see that one before i have a real opinion on I, it I, I completely agree and uh just to remind people milwaukee won like i think it was like seven games more than they should have by the point differential last year like they just won a lot of close games and like they're really good still i feel like as long as you have to be honest but they're not winning 58 games again, I don't think. So that's to your to your point about stepping back. Right. Right. And and like Boston, I think, is probably gonna take some time to figure out how these new pieces fit together. They won 57 last year. Philly, like we don't even know who's gonna be on their team at this point. So it, it's it's kind of hard to project any of these teams. Cleveland, I feel pretty good about. They won 51 last year and finished fourth. I could see them finishing first because of the the way these teams ahead of them might step back. And they kind of know what they are. They they have proof of concept in the regular season. They know what works, as, you know, with that that kind of two headed offensive attack, and then the multi pronged rim protection, you know, defense behind them. I think they're a team that could challenge for the top seed in the East. But but again, it's just I don't really know how to make heads or tails. So in the regular <laughs> season, I I might put those same top four teams that finished in the top four last year in uh, kind I, of a tier. Maybe Miami gets in there, but like. At this point, I don't really trust Miami to be good in the regular season. Okay, so uh, I had a feeling you were going to say that. I agree. I think I I trust Cleveland as a regular season entity a lot more than a playoff entity. Which oh yeah, that's so. There's two different conversations to be had there. Miami's the exact opposite, where I trust Miami more as a playoff entity than yep. a regular. Season. But I was like screaming about how Miami. I didn't see it last year, and I was correct until the playoffs started, <laughs> and then they yeah. suddenly were. But you know, and again, we're talking around this. If they have Lillard. I can ease. I could see them getting into that top four. If they don't, I don't really see it in a regular season yeah. game. Stressing regular season because Jimmy's not going to play eighty-two games. It's just not going to do it. And if he doesn't play, they're not the same team. Their depth is worse now. I'm not even the biggest Struess and Vincent guy, but like those are losses. They got. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got Josh Richardson, I guess, who's helpful. But he's only ever been good in Miami. That's true. So, uh, so anyway, I mean, okay, so. Top four is your top four again, it seems like. Miami's the question mark team. I think I, I'll give you another question mark team that okay. I'm, I'm actually higher on. I can't believe I'm high on this team going into an NBA season. Oh, no. But the New York Knicks, I think, are going to be knew, pretty good next knew, year. They were good. That, listen, they were pretty good last year. They I mean, were. I, I think they could be better next year. I really like their wing rotation. And, like, you know, I'm not the biggest Jalen Brunson or Julius Randall fan in the world, but it, it, like those guys are definitely good players. And if they play the they way that they did last year, this is a good team. I mean, it's just a good solid basketball team. And again, I think with the uncertainty with Milwaukee, Philly and Boston, like, is it crazy? I mean, I wouldn't bet on this, but is it crazy that Cleveland, New York 
might be the top two seeds in the East this year. As everyone else is figuring their stuff out, those two teams just know what they are. They play hard. They're solid. They have roster consistency. I mean, is it crazy that they might have the two best records in an Eastern Conference where maybe 55 wins gets you the best record? It's a little crazy, but I see where you're going with that. Just because I I think the Knicks might win a lot of games. I, I... Similar to Cleveland, but even even more stark, I think, than Cleveland. I don't trust the Knicks in the play. I, this this Knicks roster in the playoffs in a playoff environment, I don't think has much upside really whatsoever. But they do have real depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a coach that cares about winning regular season games um, and has reputation and earned for winning regular season games. And yeah, I mean, just as a sidebar, I think the Jalen Brunson. Listen, I I like Jalen Brunson. I've always liked Jalen Brunson. The Hawks should draft Jalen Brunson. I said that on this podcast several years ago before the draft. But some of the stuff I see about Jalen Brunson is we've lost control. People are talking about how he's better than he's better than Trey. He's better than Ja. Yeah, I've like, seen what, those. Are, what are what are we doing? Anyway, he's I guess it's just New York, right? He's just a, he's my brother Knicks, so he has to be talking yeah. about it. Um, and I like and again. By the way, by all accounts, an awesome guy. Really good player. I'm not crapping at Jalen Yeah, Johnson. definitely good. Like, very good. He's a good player. Um, but anyway, no, I, I'm i lower on the Knicks than you, it seems like, but I do get it. Like, they won 47-48 games last year. They add Josh Hart for the full season. They should they should be good. I, I still – there's part of me that doesn't, doesn't buy it, honestly. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the Tibbs has worn out welcomes. Maybe it's just that I just don't think that they have that much high-end talent. But they do, they do have depth, so – I don't know. I kind of bought so, and uh, not to bring the Hawks back in because it is a Hawks podcast. We just named six teams. If you include yeah. Miami and New York, that's six teams. If the Hawks, which is going to be there, I'm media days a week and a half from now. I am very sure the, the state of goal is going to be top six in the East. We just mm-hmm. named six teams. Yeah. Are the Hawks better than any of those teams for you? They could be better than Miami in the regular season. They, I think. Could, they I mean, they, this is the thing. Yep. Like, I know I just said the Knicks could get the number one seed. But the Knicks could also get the seven seed. I mean, I think that's where Very we are easily. in the East. Yes. I feel really good that the the three, I'll just call them the three teams that are good in the East. We know who they are, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. Those three teams, I think, have a pretty high floor. I don't think okay. any of them fall past five or six. I'm going to save this take for, for Robbie yeah, for, 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 for depth-wise. I don't think Philly has a floor that's that high. Ooh. Why is that? Just just not it, okay, you, the health of the, Embiid or Harden. Well, the hard the Harden thing. Sure. If, yeah. If yeah. Harden Harden might just if he's there, he might just not try. We've we've seen him do this, or he gets traded for very little, which might happen. Yeah. And like I'm maybe a little bit lower on Maxi as a primary guy than other people are. He's good. And yeah, I, I think you mentioned it. Like, are we? I mean, Embiid's been fairly healthy two years in a row, and that's that's good. But that's a team where. Um, and Milwaukee is a little bit of this as well. Um, but if Embiid misses 30 games, like they might, oh, yeah. they might go 10 and 20 in those 30. Like, yeah. like there's some team, like if Boston misses Tatum for 30 games, they can win. Mm-hmm. If, you know, I, I don't think, and at least if Milwaukee's missed, Giannis, they've actually been pretty decent without Giannis in the past. If Embiid's not there, Philly's like usually just bad, like yeah. actually bad. And if Harden's, if, you get the combination of Embiid health stuff and Harden not either not being there or not being plugged in. It's I I, I understand why you say that, but they my alarm bells are a little bit up with Philly. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah, no, I, I think certainly if they don't stay if Embiid doesn't stay healthy, yeah, which I is mean, a kind of for all, every, all every team. We should say that's that's for every team. I mean, if Trey yeah. if Trey goes down, the Hawks are going to be pretty bad. I mean, it's all those things. Um, but Embiid has a more documented injury history, than right? And and his team is probably less equipped to withstand 
Yeah, they that. they sneaky don't have very much depth, man. Yeah. Like they've they've lost some even guys like McDaniel's and they lost they lost George Niang. Like they they don't I don't like Philly this year, I found. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like maybe yeah. it's just like everything their their roster is worse now, even before you take the hard stuff into account than it was last year, in my opinion. Yeah. So I mean they're they're definitely the team of that top three. Really, I mean, really throw Cleveland in there that I'm most worried could just kind of fall. Agreed. Like, like, I don't think they'll completely fall out of things. They'll always be no, there. They'll have they a need. Be. But, but I could see them like falling flat by their standards. And winning According 45. to the expectations that they have. Yeah. Winning they might games. be most likely to fall short of those or, or just to, to kind of crash and burn by the time the regular season ends, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get you out of here. So we talked about that's six, that's six teams plus the Hawks. We talked, we talked about, who is your favorite team we have not we have not mentioned in the who who do you like the most whether it's Indiana or Orlando those are the kind of the two trendy yeah. young teams um Chicago's still there Toronto's still around do you like any of those teams well Indiana and Orlando are the i think the clear choices I, the, I mean i don't the, know how they're, they're the more fun choices that's for sure exactly yeah Chicago Orlando, and Toronto are very boring Orlando I, I don't know i haven't done my full league pass rankings going into the season yet orlando is going to be pretty high in those rankings i'm a real fan of of what they've put together there they are fun and indiana's got halberton who's really fun yeah. so uh yeah so I, I think uh either of those teams would be really good choices the raptors are interesting the raptors are just yeah. always interesting to me i can never quit the raptors and they're yeah. kind of funky experimental thing that they have going on there <laughs> i think really if I, I mean if i had to pick one i'd say probably indiana i think they in Orlando, like we said, they're the fun choices. I think Indiana has a better chance of being like reasonably good. Of being good this yeah, year, I yeah. Think so. I think so too. Like I think Orlando's still a little ways away from them. Just just because like Paolo Bancaro is looked good last year for a rookie and kind of was fine for his role, but yeah, he's going to be in his second year and probably carrying the the primary do. part of the mantle offensively. And that's just not always a winning formula. Whereas yeah. the Pacers have a guy who, you know, like Tyrese Halliburton is an all-star caliber caliber offensive catalyst. They have miles Turner. They have, you know, a lot of guys who kind of fit in between those bookends, kind of like we were talking about with the Hawks. That's their yeah. big question mark. I think the Pacers like are not as talented in, in that those positions, but I, maybe you kind of know what you have a little bit more, if that makes sense. And, and I think like, the Pacers just kind of have two really good players locked in and can kind of fill in the blanks around them in a way that I don't think the Magic can. This is one of the things that always happens, and I'll be short. Like, Paolo put up big counting stats. He was not particularly good. No, I, I didn't think he was productive, like a, a helpful. Now, again, good good for a rookie, for sure. Like, he yeah. he, he was, he was he should have won Rookie of the Year, all that. I'm not saying otherwise. But, like, there's always a disconnect between, like, what a rookie is. I think it was the same with Anthony Edwards. And then he actually did make a leap and got better. Mm -hmm. So Paolo might get better, but like people talk about like, he's already done it and he has, he hasn't quite done it, which is the way that usually works. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're the more fun team. Chicago just is so painful to me, but they might be okay. Again, Toronto is going to be kind of bad. I feel like, but maybe yeah. not. I don't know. Uh, if they still have Siakam and he's there, he's a good player. And, uh, none of the other teams. I don't really, care about much well i mean we have i don't think they're in this range but we haven't said brooklyn yet i think brooklyn yeah really they're they're kind of i think they're more in the chicago toronto weird but I also they I, I wrote their roster down to do over unders which we haven't, we haven't recorded yet but it is a better roster than i kind of thought it was yeah. going to be when i wrote it down um i don't know what that means because like and they're they're a team that's truly like we don't know because we've not we just have, we haven't seen a sample big enough without 
KD and Kyrie mm-hmm. and the team built around the way that's built. But yeah, they're not they're not bad on paper. Like they they could be they could win forty games. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, and Mikhail Bridges is is also just a, a hugely crucial and and intriguing player going into next year. Like if his star turn from the end of last season was real, and you know some of the stuff he did in the playoffs for the yeah. brief amount of time the Nets were in that uh, in the playoffs, if that's real and he's that kind of guy, like that's that's a completely different player than maybe the Mikhail Bridges that I'm assuming the Nets are getting this year. And I know that that's possible that he could get there. I just don't know if I trust what he did last year, but if he can continue that for a full season and that's just the level of player that he is, I, th- I think the Nets might be closer to that like top six range, that Knicks sort of range that we were talking about uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, being more in that play in kind of fringe could break the top six. If someone has a surprising fall, you know, like I think right now that's where the Nets are, but if he's really good and if Cam Johnson continues to shoot, you know, 45% from three and they, you know, they have all these really good, versatile intriguing wings and those guys all come together in it in a productive way like this this might be a, a safer team than they look like right now makes sense to me all right ben i pleasure to get you out of here in an hour we're going to do that but first where are you stacking the hawks in this pecking order i have to nail you down here in late september which is absurd of course um and i acknowledge that but uh we're, we're are you thinking six seven that's my guess based on what you've said so far but i could be wrong yeah, well, well, first of all, whatever answer I give uh, here will be my answer forever in perpetuity. That's the way that works. Regardless yes. of what new information comes to light. Even, even if Trey goes down mm-hmm. in training camp, you're going yeah. to hold to this for sure. Yeah. No, so. yeah, regardless of what new information comes to light <laughs> as the season progresses, this will be my this final answer, final you're prediction um, for how the Hawks perform this year. I think, I don't know what their over-under line is, but I think they're clearly not a top six team in the East as I see it coming into the year. But I, I think after that, they're they're kind of on a level playing field with Brooklyn, Miami. I think they're better than Chicago. Really, Brooklyn and Miami are the two teams I see kind of in that range. Like I said, the, the Knicks may not... like the, the Knicks have, I think, the widest range here in, in the Eastern Conference, so they might be closer to the Hawks level than on that, that high level that I talked about. I don't think the Hawks have the same kind of regular season upside, um, so I, I, I think they're in that like seven, eight, nine range with, uh, with those two teams that I mentioned, I, I don't really, I mean, surely there will be one team like Indiana might be the other team that, you know, after like three weeks of the season, you're like, okay, yeah, the Pacers are really good. They probably belong in this category, but for now, I, I think it's Atlanta. I think it's Miami. I think it's Brooklyn. I think, and, and you know, those are the teams that finished six through eight last year, six through nine, whatever uh, this meeting worked out to be. So I think they're still kind of in that tier together with maybe the possibility for taking advantage of, you know, a disappointing season by a team above them. But I, I don't think I can see a, a likely case that any of those teams is like a clear top six team in the East right now. What I've learned is that you like Brooklyn more than the consensus. That's what I've learned. I think I do. Yeah, I think I'm coming around on them. That's uh, that's under- I, I understand. But people should be checking out Read and React podcast. Is that the place, best place? Yeah, to find yeah. That's uh, that's probably the best place to read and react wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, you know, hopefully substantive and in depth NBA discussion kind of throughout the season. We just uh, did our top thirty players in the NBA going into this year. That was a fun exercise. We got into a lot of you know kind of the philosophical ideas of you know how roster construction and and individual player value 
is works. is viewed and yeah, works to you know in the modern NBA. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, as well as if you want to just kind of take issue with with my or John Sauber's opinions on which players are good or better than other players, you can do that as well. And uh, we'll have episodes just continuing to release throughout the season, kind of consistently covering the league. So other than that, I, I'm uh, a little more dormant on the writing side these days, but uh, podcast is going strong and and hope people will tune into that. Well, thank you, Ben, for being here. As always, please subscribe to this podcast. Check out Read and React. We'll see everybody next time.